theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Hello, Dr. Joy. Hello, Dr. Amy. How are you doing today? I am gearing up for fall, and you know what fall means, particularly November. Oh, yeah. We can really be civically engaged and show what we want out of our community by voting. Yeah. When did you become civically engaged? Gosh, um, probably more as a teacher. Okay. Um, not so much in the classroom, but just being aware of my role as a member on site-based council, helping with decisions at the school level, and really understanding that small areas of influence are impactful. And they impacted me even more than at a national level, whenever I went to vote for a president, because it was those small local levels that were influencing and affecting me in the classroom. Yeah, I can remember, of course, you know, the national election, when I turned 18, I wanted to vote. That was just the thing, right? Wanting to vote. But I think for me, when I became an adult and I purchased my first home, and I purchased my home in a predominantly white neighborhood that seemed to be transitioning. And I wanted to be, I am going to prove to these people that I belong. <laughs> and so I started to be engaged and go to community meetings and things like that. I even participated in my kids' booster club meeting, you know, and PTO. All of those are opportunities for our voice to be heard, you know, and to be part of solutions. Well, I'm excited to introduce to our listeners, Dr. Crystal Harris. She is a social psychologist and has been engaged in social issues that affect both GSU and the Metro Chicago community. She looks at problems systematically and builds forums for in the ongoing dialogue about the needs and solutions to these issues. Her background in counseling and mental health has been an asset to creating programs that help with stress, depression, and suicide prevention. And she's really involved in experience-based learning. And that's part of her teaching philosophy, and especially 
being involved in the community through service learning. And we really want to talk to you today. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Harris. Tell us about your civic engagement. We'll we'll get into that. Yeah, we... yeah. How are you? Hi, how are you all? Good. It's wonderful having you on here again. And what I recall from our first interview with you is that you were born a genius. <laughs> so that's what I recall from the first interview. So what I want to know now, <laughs> so there's no surprise, we, you're Dr. Crystal Harris, and it's hard to keep up with you because you're always evolving. You are ever evolving, which I love. Uh, so tell us what you're currently doing. Tell us about your current interests and research. Well, uh, thank you for that very generous um, compliment. It's always an honor to be with both of you, two of my favorite people, and especially in the teaching and learning space. Um, I am definitely the product of what I would call the generation of strivers. And I just took my um, students to see um, 1919 Red Summer. And uh, I could really identify with um, the character DL and how he sort of bought hook, line, and sinker. Like there's this projected path for you, which includes education and giving back and making an impact. Um, of course, it didn't turn out too well for him, but that's a story for another day. Um, but yeah, so I've always been interested in civic engagement. I come from a very politically um, interesting, uh, eclectic background. My dad um, and mom were of separate political belief systems, but they had a happy marriage nonetheless. Oh, that was and a I, happy household, huh? <laughs> Quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was an entrepreneur, he was a vet, and he believed in, you know, the whole American bootstrap system, you know, you work hard and it pays off. And sometimes it does and it doesn't, you know, if you, um, if you're fortunate enough to grow up in those days in a middle-class household with good role models and access to a strong support network, it probably did work out better. I think it was more predictable in that generation than it is today, which gets to the reason that I'm here is that we really want to create a new generation. We want to be able as educators to empower a new generation to be civically engaged. So uh, I think the question that you were going to ask me, what am I about now? So I'm really leaning in to my own uh, mission of teaching through civic engagement, really trying to integrate that as much as possible into my research, my service, and my teaching. So I have a follow-up. Now, I also saw the play Red Summer. I recommend it to anyone. And I often have this debate with my mother. You know, anytime, you know, there's some social unrest and we see people take to the street. And while we see peaceful engagement, we also see some unpeaceful engagement, which upsets her so much. You know, it, you know, and she and I have two different takes on it, you know, because some people, that's civic engagement to them, right? Whether you're doing it peacefully or not, is still a civic engagement. And I also, I liken that those who are doing this where, you know, you have buildings burning and they're just so, it's unorganized and people are angry. 
to a baby, you know, a baby crying. A baby doesn't have the words. They can't tell you what's wrong. They're helpless. They have no power. So what do they do? They scream and cry. And so I use that as an analogy that it's still civic engagement. And mm-hmm. but we want to talk about how we can do it more proactively, right? And so mm-hmm. you're going to guide us through that. You know, I want to hear about some of your grant work that you're doing. Of course, we want to hear that. Uh, because we really want to get people involved in more of a, a positive way and how you're working mm-hmm. with faculty to inform students about civic responsibility and the impact that our contribution can have. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to hearing all those tidbits. Okay. Well, you know, engagement just means action. So definitely violence is a type of action. I mean, there's a broad range of um, actions that we can take in response to what's going on. And I think um, when we look at the definition of civic engagement, you know, it happens on both the individual level and also on the community level or the civic level, Um, um, not civic level, the social level. And when we say civic, we just are talking about what does it mean to be involved uh, in something that's for the public good? So an individual level action would be volunteering at a soup kitchen, right? So that's civic engagement because I as an individual am donating some time, some service and service learning is a unique slice of civic engagement that I would say the higher education space feels very comfortable with. We have so many social science professions or social action professions that, you know, the raising money for this cause or that cause or collecting signatures. These are active ways of being involved. And whether they're individual actions or collective actions, they're all civic actions because they all have the common theme of they're for the greater common good or the greater public good. So civic engagement is volunteering as an individual, getting involved in an organization, and participating in the electoral process. So those are the three main buckets. And um, the goal of civic engagement is to either directly address an issue, to solve a problem, and it often includes engaging in a problem solving when it comes with an action that's through the democratic process. So those representatives that enable the democratic process to work, be that the judicial, legislative, the executive. Yeah, but in addition to that, um, what we are doing in, in higher education, and I would argue this is your ball of, this is your expertise, the K through 12 space, we're preparing students and their families to be able to make good decisions on a wide range of civic actions, right? So we know that they need to have both the ability, the agency, and the opportunity to act civically. And so whatever type of civic action makes sense for that problem or that issue, or that person's skill set or their interests, then that's for them to decide. But as educators, we benefit uh, in terms of our courses when we can think about what is the connection between maybe the theory, the practice, to use your language, and the civic action. Is it signing a letter? Is it making a phone call? Is it reading about a petition? Is it going to a town hall? Is it forwarding an email? Is it, if we're gonna be on social media, you know, it's like, who are we following? Uh, do we wanna repost? Do we wanna write a comment? Um, 
do we want to stand up for maybe the underdog or the underrepresented? Uh, I was on the train this morning, uh, quick story, and there was someone uh, making an accusation at the conductor, and I don't want to get into what type of accusation it was, but it was so unfair and so unjust. And normally, I, um, I, I, I have a hard time. My, my, my students, my children, and my students will say, I have a hard time not sharing my opinion. I feel like the world is entitled to my opinion, but I will acknowledge that it's my opinion. <laughs> so I said to him when the conductor had passed, after he basically chewed him out, I said, you know, I think that's very unfair for you to attack this man while he's trying to do his job. <laughs> you know. And so, what did I do that for? So he tried to give me a history lesson. <laughs> Um, about, you know, the injustices of the world. And so I didn't, um, you know, uh, in, I didn't want to, you know, uh, spend my entire hour commute, you know, arguing with someone. But I do think there are times when we see an injustice where making our opinion known that it looks like an injustice to us sometimes is enough to be said. I mean, you don't have to, um, si there's a great quote, which I'm going to mess up, around how um, silence is, is, is often um, condoning a behavior. It is. So that's a small civic engagement when you see an injustice is saying like, I think what you just did is not fair. And I'm um, happy you got to work safely and we didn't oh, yeah. see you on the Channel 7 News tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And it was a packed car with a lot of, you know, students. And this was a, you know, most people are going to work in their same car, their same morning routine. Um, so like I said, I felt pretty safe making that decision. I was not on a CTA train. I was on a Metro train, which makes <laughs> you hear a lot about what's going on there. But yeah, so what we want to do in our classes as higher education is think about the ways in which we can prepare our students to be civically engaged, to create opportunities for them to make good choices around what is the appropriate civic action in this situation. So that's broad umbrella of how, what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to inspire other faculty to get involved in. You make a really good point about the different levels of engagement. I mean, you talked about social media, just reposting something or making a comment on a train on the way to work when you hear an injustice yeah, well, I would say that, you know, as educators, we have a lot of power and a lot of influence. I mean, we're designing courses, oftentimes programs. We are um, designing modules. We are selecting readings. We are selecting guests to come and talk. I mean, our power to be civically engaged in our role as educators is really um, vast. So I had the opportunity to do a collaboration today with uh, one of our colleagues uh, who is um, over the director, she's the interim director of Center for Community, Community Media and she's teaching a media studies class. And we did a collaboration where her students came in to talk to my students about the power of the media. And um, I wasn't necessarily thinking of that as civic engagement at the time that I designed it, but the conversation that ensued between these students that are juniors and seniors and my first year students who have exactly five weeks of college experience was really powerful. It really opened their mind. So creating opportunities for sometimes this work to happen organically is the only thing we have to do as, as faculty is look for opportunities to create space for students to make these these connections um, organically. I, I did have the wonderful opportunity last year, although it didn't feel like it at the time, of uh, writing a proposal 
number one, uh, that went to Senate and was approved by the governor and actually seeing the governor on television sign that proposal. It's like, hey, this proposal started in my office because I cared about this topic. Uh, and I had to nurse it all the way through. Uh, and also uh, defending something in front of Senate. You know, so I had those wonderful opportunities. But up until then, you know, like, do your words really count? You know, does your vote really count? Why don't we feel empowered like our voice counts and our vote counts? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is a good time for me to talk about the grants that GSU was awarded. Uh, the name of our campaign is called uh, The Power to Vote. And it's really a campaign about helping young people between the ages of 18 and 25, but really all people, all disenfranchised communities, see the power of voting. And so voting and participating in the electoral process is only one type of civic engagement. But during a midterm election, when it's people have a tendency to say, eh, it doesn't really matter if I show up, is definitely a really high impact practice to talk about the ways in which public policy influence every specific academic discipline. There's really nothing that you can study in college. There's no profession that is not in. In fact, the mere act of attending college or working for a public institution in a state is a political act. So while these, uh, we, we're a state institution, we're doing nonpartisan civic engagement, which means we're not advocating who you should vote for or which direction you should vote on a particular social issue. We wanna give students and our communities the skills to make good decisions about getting accurate information. So part of that has to do with information literacy and media literacy which is one of the reasons why I was having the collaboration with uh, my first year students and with this course um, in media studies that Dr. Novia uh, Pavone is teaching. So this grant, one of the grants comes from a group called Ask Every Student, and that's literally their goal to make sure that during this midterm election, every college student is asked at least once, as many times as possible, have you registered to vote? And just to create that conversation where it's normalized, and particularly for our youngest students and our first year students, they may not have many people um, ask them to register to vote. It, what you have to do to be eligible and to actually get registered, it, it, I mean, it's like a black box. You know, it's just not part of our, our society as it should be. So making sure that they understand that voting is for them, that it affects them, that it's free, that it's easy, that you can do it online. You can also do it on our main campus. We have two voter registration drives per week up until the last uh, opportunity or the deadline. I don't know it off the top of my head that you can register in person. Um, you can always register in the state of Illinois up until um, election day in person, uh, but there's a, there's a, a cutoff basically um in advance but right now you have at least three more weeks where you can uh, participate in voter registration right here on campus and so many other locations throughout metro um, chicago so that's one of the grants ask every student and so the second grant um is um really looking at faculty empowerment which i think gets to the question that you were asking around it's from the student voting research network so it has to do with understanding how do we get 
the classroom engagement in civic engagement and the electoral process? How do we teach students things like media information skills, research, how to find a nonpartisan research guide on a particular issue and how to evaluate those issues? And these are things that we will already be teaching in so many of our different majors and courses. So that grant is going to, uh, I was just going to say, so that grant is going to allow us to be able to do a qualitative study where we'll be interviewing faculty and their students. So there'll be five groups of three that we will interview and we'll be able to, you know, reimburse them for their time. I want to go further with this idea of faculty and curriculum mm -hmm. because it's, it's a natural fit, of course, in a lot of your courses in college, your gen ed studies, your uh, social science courses, looking at the history, but there's more. I mean, there's more. And when you're talking about research and the fact that we are just able to attend college because of policies that are in place, you know, that's an important point to make. Um, how can we help faculty see civic engagement just as part of their curriculum and, and content area? Because we might have various content areas who are like, well, we need to leave that to this other. Right, right. It doesn't science, fit. Yeah. So it doesn't fit. Maybe, maybe we can share some ideas here on just how to see that in the curriculum a little better. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So there are some great resources already across the country for this. I'm a member of a group that's called the Faculty Network for Student Voting. And so it's a group that anybody can become a part of. It has um, online resources. They have two conferences um, that they sponsor. They do webinars, but there's also other groups. I'd be happy to give you the link to the websites to share in your show um, description. Um, Ask Every Student Grant comes from a group called Students Learn, Students Vote, and um, they also have a number of great resources that were, a lot of the work has already been done for you. So you can plug in, I teach this, this major, and you can literally see um, examples of what other people have done in a math class, in a statistics class. I mean, I think things like social work and social sciences, we tend to think, well, oh, of course, you know, we can talk about this public policy or this issue, but a lot of times we don't think about chemistry, biology, environmental science, um, space, um, economics, um, what's the other one, geography, red, so there's some great uh, examples of work that they've done around redlining in geography classes. So. I want to go back to the why, because we've, we've been talking about that, and I want to talk about, like, why should I vote? Who is the beneficiary you know, who benefits when I, as a high school student or a college student in some cases, who's the beneficiary of my civic engagement when I, when I vote? I also want to know conversely, who benefits when I don't get mm -hmm. civically engaged? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, well, first of all, most higher, in, higher education institutions have mission statements that say that preparing graduates that are responsible citizens is part of our core mission. You're hard pressed to find a college that does not have a mission statement, a vision, a five-year plan that is not aspiring for its leaders, its graduates to become leaders, global leaders, business leaders, um, all kinds of dynamic leaders, you know, the most lofty language in American society can be found in mission statements. But all of us want our graduates to be 
thoughtful, committed, and socially responsible. Uh, we need to be more intentional. It doesn't happen uh, by accident. So when our students are engaged and prepared to be engaged at a high level, or even a moderate level, we all win. You know, a lot of the things that we care about and that we're fighting against would not, people would not need to fight for them if only, a, you know, 10% of the people who were impacted by them said, you know, this matters to me and this is not right, or I have an idea on how to improve this and I wanna get involved. So whether it's a petition or a letter or a public policy, you know, um, the world, needs us to be involved in order for it to, to, to be impacted at a, at a, in terms of a lot of these social issues that we're facing. In addition to that, you know, the idea of moral education and civic educa education, I would say in the previous generation was, all, you know, so this is something that historically higher education did do and did feel responsible for. And I can even remember in high school, I went to Catholic high school, but I can even remember, you know, my colleagues who were not, who were in public school, you did service learning, you did community service, you raised money for this or that, or you might have been in a, a community group, a softball team, a Girl Scout troop, you know, where, you know, being involved in the community was something that was expected of you. So when we're involved, it makes the work light in terms of making a difference for everyone. Added to the fact that you're representing yourself, you know, so if you're not representing you, that gets to your other question, Dr. Joy, well, who wins? Well, if I don't show up to represent me, guess what? The people who show up to represent the other side, that's who gets the resources. So all of us are investing in paying tax dollars. And uh, if you buy groceries, you buy a cup of car, a cup of coffee, or even a car or tires for your car, we're all paying taxes and that money goes somewhere. And even if you don't care where it goes, then there are some people that, that prefer it that way. We don't really want you asking questions about where your money is going. You know, we really don't want to give you a voice. I would rather spend your money for you the way that benefits me. So, I mean, I think that's an oversimplification of what's really going on. But certainly having young people absent from the voting process means that those people who are not young people will make decisions on behalf of young people. So at the end of the day, those of us who are in public education, if someone else decides public education is not worth funding anymore, you don't really need a college education. Um, you can pay a lot for college education. You don't need to be reimbursed or um, compensated in any way, shape or form. Then what happens is you see what we have now, a generation of people that are, you know, borrowing a lot to be able to get educated. I remember when I graduated, which was a million years ago, you know, I actually had a choice of scholarships. I was a good student, not a great student, but I had a lot of service, a lot of leadership. And, you know, in one generation, you know, you could be a, a cream of the crop, a student with service, and you are not guaranteed even one scholarship, much less um, a choice of scholarships. So I think the way we pay for education has gotten expensive because not only are things more expensive now, but our um, the value that we place on people having a bachelor's degree has also, I think, declined in our society. Because is it, I mean, people are asking the question, is it worth it? And so I think this is also a way that we contribute to the public good. I mean, this is one way that we show the world that it is worth it. We are making, you know, that we are making a difference, so. I think it's a really 
uh, interesting point asking the question who benefits when we do not empower college students but that conversation that constant conversation just asking students have you registered it's something that every faculty member can do are there other strategies that you might suggest for faculty just to get started i mean how can they begin to see their curriculum or their classroom through this civic-minded lens well, one of the things that um, we're going to be doing is using the faculty development uh, processes that already exist within GSU to um, have uh, an opportunity to expose students to what's going on here. Yeah, so we're going to be having a faculty development seminar. And like I said, there's a lot of webinars and resources as well. I know that wasn't a full answer, but at GSU, we have some things coming up that faculty can do. We also have events for students to attend that are coming up. October 11th, we have um, the Will County Board of Elections coming to do a presentation for our students about what does it mean to be involved in the electoral process as an election judge. We also on October the 19th and 20th have some events coming up and I'll be happy to share with you the link with more information about things that are going on on campus. We have in the works a virtual event that we don't have a date for. We have a panel discussion. So I think every semester, whether it's a midterm election year or federal election year, there's always stuff on campus that's already talking about these issues. So making sure your students are aware. And then of course, we, we have election day on November the 8th. We want students to be um, aware of what is going on um, in the Illinois election. We also going to have resources on um, what's on the ballot, how to read the ballot, <laughs> what some of those words mean. We're going to have samples of Indiana ballots. A lot of uh, GSU folks are also from Indiana. And um, there's a t-shirt design contest that's coming up where we're inviting students to participate in civic engagement by designing, hoping up to come up with a design for a t-shirt that we're going to wear when we do engagement. We're going to be going to the Metro station during rush hour to help well, uh, voters yeah. remember to vote. I think that that's wonderful, all the things that uh, we're doing. And if we didn't give that date, I want to make sure we give that October 23rd date is the date uh, for registration. Yeah, and um, October 28th is the last day to vote early in many um, counties as well. So yeah. we're having a vote early campaign, encouraging people to get out early. We already have a lot of goodies that have come in um, that we've purchased, including stickers. People love the I Voted sticker. So we have some I voted early stickers. We're just giving them out. We're going to ask you to um, make a plan to vote, pledge to vote early or pledge to vote mail in, however you're going to do it. And um, yeah, so we have a lot of goodies also prepared. The key is um, we have an email address set up, gsuvotes at govst.edu. They can ask questions, get more information. They will be um, inside GSU. There will also be some resources if they're outside of the GSU community. Every community, particularly in Illinois, has a lot of resources for young voters. 
This has been a wealth of information. Thank you so much, Dr. Harris. And we will put the links to the different resources in our show notes, the Faculty Network for Student Voting Rights, the Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition, as well as some additional resources that uh, we have at our fingertips that we can share with our listeners. And it has been really enlightening to hear about the different ways that students and faculty and uh, other community members can be just involved in some way. And when you see an injustice, it can be a civic an act of civic engagement. Yep, even on the CT, something. even on the metro train. Even on the metro. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have really learned a lot. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure being here, and I always enjoy talking with you all, and especially talking about civic engagement and the electoral process. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. 